Amen. You know what? It is probably very customary for us to stand when we read the word, but I've got a lot of things I want to read tonight, and so I hope that you all stand with me later, not get all tired out, worship. So if you would, if you love the Lord and you're respectful of the word, you may be seated while we turn to the book of Acts, the fourth chapter. How's that? Now, doing this, I trust that you'll uh, get with me. Acts chapter 4, we're going to start with verse um, number 20. I'm sorry, verse number 7. We're going to read through verse number 20. Acts chapter 4, verse number 7. Um, I ask you to please uh, remember, uh, for those of you that don't know, Monday at Packley Funeral Home on Wales is Sister Angie Amendola's uh, service that we'll, they'll be having. Um, I believe that the service starts at 7, and then 5 to 7 is calling hours, uh, if you'd like to come and pay your respects. Uh, also, please remember my mother-in-law, my wife, and her siblings, their family is, Brother Lonnie has passed. Most of you, a lot of you may remember Brother Lonnie, um, if you were youth growing up in the last, uh, when he was an usher with the... Uh, the three men that could have worked at Sing Sing Prison and nobody would have escaped. Uh, they had the sanctuary on lockdown. And uh, you laugh, but it was true. I had an adult tell me one time that they tried to go to the bathroom to altar call. Brother Lonnie said, I don't think so. She said, I'm pregnant. He said, I don't care what you are. You're going to sit down until the pastor says it's over with. Those men did not play. And uh, love him. Be praying for the family. Amen. Acts chapter 4, verse number 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? If you don't know what this is, you go back and read. And this is the, the very famous where they, they, uh, they uh, healed the man. And uh, he got up and he, he got real loud about what all took place. Peter, then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, filled with the Holy Ghost. Anybody filled with the Holy Ghost tonight? Good. He said unto them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means is he made whole? Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. I like how he points that out. Whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness, remember, filled with the Holy Ghost, of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council. They conferred among themselves. Listen, you fellows go over there. We're going to talk amongst ourselves about this. Saying, all right, 
what are we going to do with these guys? For that, indeed, was a notable miracle that hath been done by them and is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. Everybody knows about it. Everybody's talking about it. We can't deny what would just happened. But that it spread no further among the people. Let's keep it quiet. Let us straightly threaten them that they, and I like how they really made this sound so sweet, speak henceforth to no man in this name. When reality, they probably want to say, tell them to shut up and say nothing else or else. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. I'll read verse number 21. It says, So when they had further threatened them, they let them go finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God that, for that which was done. Okay. I'm going to talk to you tonight, very important going into this next year, this Bible study tonight. I, the Lord, I feel, has laid this on my heart. And I want to make sure I do it justice tonight and you get it. And the title is Pump Up the Volume. Pump Up the Volume. Now, some of you all sinners, saved by grace, just had a tune go through your head. And that's a good thing, because I want you to tie that in that you don't forget this tonight. Okay? Amen? Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your presence that's here. Thank you for your hand that is upon us. Thank you, Lord God, for bringing our friends home safely. We ask you, Lord God, to bless this Bible study. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, so reminiscing with some old friends brought back a flood of memories. And we were about 11 years of age and 12 years old maybe. And we were at camp. It was one of my first years to ever go to camp. And one of the best things about camp was we went to uh, the community pool two days during the hot summer days of camp. For some reason, Camp was always in the middle of the month of hell. It was the hottest week on record every year, the week we went to camp. And they kept us out in the heat all day. It was an awesome place, this community pool. It was a great place. Um, you get a little older and you've been around and you go back and you're just kind of like, well, it's not as neat as I thought it was when I was a kid. But, man, they had basketball hoops and volleyball courts, and they had a little shallow end of the pool. And the greatest thing that they had there was the snack bar. <laughs> Laugh, but if you was a camper and you went to the pool at that time, that was the greatest place in the world. They had a slushy machine. And you'd see, you know, 70 or 80 boys, they didn't have money to eat the rest of the week, but they had money to get them a slushy on that day. That might have been the snack bar, our favorite part of going to the pool. But if when you walked in, you walked through the changing, the bathroom areas, and you went to the right, you went to the snack bar, but if you looked to the left, undeniably you could see 
the deep end of the pool. And the deep end of the pool had, at that time, two diving boards. One was just a normal-sized diving board, but standing ominously right next to that, challenging every camper that dare climb the steps, was the highest of all diving boards ever built by human hands. At least to an 11 and 12-year-old, it felt like that. It towered 16 tear-filled feet above the water. I can still remember the fear. And I don't like heights. But, you know, 11, 12 years old, and everybody else is doing it. And the peer pressure at that time was strong. And, hey, Blaylock, have you gone up the top? Oh, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I just had a hot dog. I'm waiting for it, you know, 30 minutes and stuff after the break, you know. We got to go up the high dive. And I remember my buddy Bubba and I, the first time I went up, it was me and him. He was as scared as I was, but we wanted to make sure that everybody knew that we were top dogs on the campground. So we climbed that high dive for the first time, uncertain if I was going to survive actually this ordeal of falling off that deal. As I inched towards the edge all sorts of alarms began to just ring and go off in my mind and blaring with me saying, stop, you idiot, stop, this is stupid. You itch out a little bit further, what made it worse was that particular diving board was not a solid platform, but it was one of those springboards. And every time you took a step, it bounced. And the further you got off, it started bouncing even. Stop, you idiot, stop. That wobbly nightmare seemed like it took forever long. The edge was the most dangerous place to be, scary. Because you then looked down and saw that you were 9,500 feet from the water. It was then that you realized that it was much easier to dip your toe into the pool than to lock down the barrel of that, look down the barrel of that high dive. But for my friends and I, it was a rite of passage. Because then if you just did it once, and anybody ever asked you, did you ever go off the high dive? Oh, yeah, man, I'm going off that high dive, no big deal. You, 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 you know, it was a rite of passage where, where one not jumping was more detrimental to your camp cred than jumping was. They don't remember a whole lot about those that jumped, but they don't ever forget about the boy who would not. For, you know, the poor kid that didn't jump, didn't have to turn around. And they had like a barrel of monkeys on the ladder leading up to the high dive. Kids waiting to get on their assembly line to get on the high dive. And you'd have to tell them, move. What's the matter? I got a cramp. I just ate a hot dog. Move. Or something. You'd have to come up with an excuse. I got a crick in my neck. I don't know. But you'd have to climb back down a ladder full of campers and shamelessly slip back into the shallow nerd end of the pool and wallow around with the water up to your knees, completely losing your camp credibility. We have all, at one time in our life or another, stood at the edge of things in life. I talked about moments. Life is but a series of moments on Sunday. And 
we've all had life-changing decisions and investment risks, the courage to ask somebody out on a date for the first time, you know, getting engaged, going to your job for the first date, whatever it might be. And similar to the feelings that, you know, you have the very first time that I jumped off that high dive, didn't have a clue if I was ever going to make it. Fear and concern and pending danger are all standing right in front of us. But nonetheless, we have to have the conviction to jump. Because in reality, everybody wants to be courageous. Everybody wants to be full of courage. Everybody wants to have the story of something that they did in the face of danger. The scriptures that we have together that God has blessed us with are full of stories of men and women who lived and led courageous lives. One of the most striking, and to me it's one of the best, it's one of my favorites, uh, is the, the story of when the disciple Peter walked on the water. And one of the striking things about that story is that there were other disciples on the boat but only one had the courage to step out. And today we still talk about the one who took the leap. And we snicker at the others who huddled in the boat in fear. But isn't that true of so many of us? We, we are like the 11 disciples. We love Jesus. We care about you. We'll follow you. But when it comes to the truly courageous people and faithful things... We'd rather stay in the safety of the boat, huddled up to the nets, and live life quietly. Peter was willing to do the thing that no one else was willing to do. He was willing to lead his life and be an example of what being courageous was all about. It, it may sound like, you know, to some of y'all tonight that I'm being Captain Obvious that, that uh, you know, when I say this tonight, the statement is that our actions in our words matter. They matter. But I, I, I'm not convinced that some of us really believe and follow that. I, I say that because we spend a lot of time talking about the things that don't matter and living out the courageous things that don't matter. Some of us love to talk about sports. In fact, some of us have a passionate conversations about sports every weekend. Not preaching on sports, love sports. Others constantly complain about people, about how busy they are, what could be a, a, a myriad of things. Then there's that parent that will never shut up or that pastor that'll never shut up about that gorgeous grandson of his. Actions, words matter. And in Luke 6, that Jesus says that the mouth says what the heart feels. In other words, we talk about the things that matter the most to us. When was the last time you had a lengthy passionate conversation about what Jesus has done in your life 
to somebody other than the person sitting next to you right now, in front of you, or preaching to you. Because our actions and our words matter. But some of us are too afraid to step out into the unknown and take the leap off the high dive. And so what do we do? We scuttle back down the, the ramp, we go over to a picnic table, and we talk about what's wrong in life and why we can't, instead of getting the courage up to just take the leap and let God do the rest. <laughs> Think about it this way. If someone was to meticulously track your words and chart the subject matter that you like to talk about, what would be revealed about what matters the most to you? I'm going to give you a quick second to begin to think about and chart conversations that you've had. Some of y'all real quick are going, Jesus, forgive me. Scary. But we really do talk about and act upon the things that really matter to us. Oh, pastor, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, it is. Do we just gossip all the time? Do we talk about the weather? Do we talk about sports? Conversations that revolve around you? Where would Jesus' faith and God's mission rank if it was to be, you know, we were able to have a camera on you and follow you and, and to be able to talk about what you talk about and find it out and chart it out? Where would Jesus' faith and God's mission fall in that conversation percentage? That's an unfair way to think about it, preacher. Maybe. Just because many of us don't talk about Jesus or our faith as much as we should, well, that doesn't mean that those things don't matter to us. Fair enough. But if we love Jesus, and He is our King of kings, and He is the Lord of lords, but we struggle to talk about Him, He is our love, our passion. We, we worship about Him. We say amen. We, we Facebook and Twitter about Him. What, but, but, if we really, but if we really do love Him, and He really is who we say He is, but we struggle to talk about Him, then I have to conclude that we simply lack the courage enough to take a leap of faith. Because if it matters the most to us, God, then we have no problem and holding conversations and going into actions about what we love. I, I would say tonight that there's a few of us, I, I believe, it's, it's fair to say, I'm not, I'm not being mean, I think it's fair to say, that, that needs to, to pump up the volume a little bit when it comes to where we vocabulate and where, and where we communicate and where we put into actions our love for God. Some of us want to put it on about a three or a four. It's, you know, it's there, it's in the background, it's like, you know, music back there, and everybody can hear it, but it's just background noise. And we're going to still hold our conversations and do everything in the guise of 
I, I, I go to church. But I think that we need to be very care, careful, very, very careful that we don't keep God on the back burner and our vocabulary vocabulary and our communication and our actions when it comes to interacting with people around us. God shouldn't be a rare sighting in our public life. Well, if they follow me on Facebook or they follow me on Twitter, you know, I do have a, a fish bumper sticker on the back of my car. You know, people are going to put two and two together. Everybody today goes to church. It's just the fashionable thing to do. They say they go to church. I had somebody contact me here lately and said, you know, uh, you know, we haven't been there in 25 years, but we tell everybody that's our church. You're our pastor. That's right. We're behind you. You're behind me because you're sitting on the couch over that way somewhere. But you're not here. He ought to not be a rare sighting in our life, in our vocabulary, and in our actions. People shouldn't have to ask, hey, do you go to church somewhere? Do you have a pastor in your life? Do you have God? Do you know Jesus? Are you one of those Jesus people? Your life ought to be living so loud. The volume in your life should be so loud that there be no clue about who you are and what you believe in. pressure and people are weird and all this kind of stuff you can make every excuse possible to not be a courageous person you can get out there and that springboard be bouncing you'd be 9,562 feet above the water you know when you hit it it's going to be like concrete they used to make us do belly smackers off that thing the greatest thing was when I became a, a worker at camp was I got to be the judge of those belly smacker contests. And I said, all you campers are going to pay for what they put us through when I was here. Lay out flatter. It was all funny until somebody busted themselves up pretty bad. But they would be courageous. We had kids that would jump up real, real high and spin and flip and they, and then they'd go straight out like an ironing board and hit that water for a pizza. Oh, it was the best. We have people though in the church today that don't want anybody to know at all. That's where I go to church. I don't want anybody to know that I'm a church-going person. I don't want them to think anything less of me. Pardon me, but that's an ignorant thought process. Because if what has happened to me is real and true, I ought to not turn down the volume in my life, I ought to turn up the volume in my life. Well, pastor, I'm not, I'm not living just right. I'm not just perfect. I've got this going on and that going on. Okay. That doesn't mean you can't still turn up the, you know. Listen, I'm not where I need to be, but I know where I need to be going and who can get me there. 
And so I'm not perfect, but yet I know what God has done for me this far, and God's not through with me yet. Don't give me excuses. But I think some of, sometimes we can become so Christianfied, and so we got the apostolic walk and talk and the Pentecostal dress and you know all this stuff down that we become so professional in our walk that we forget about our talk and living out to those around us. Now, I ain't talking about going into a place and beating somebody around the ears with a King James Bible. You filthy sinner, how dare you? But if people that you interact with don't know who you are, how are you going to look God in the face and he's going to say, man, you did a good job. But, but God, I put my tithe envelope in. I showed up to church. I volunteered. I laid mulch out there. I cleaned windows. Those are all things that we should be doing anyways because this is our place, our building. This is a responsibility to God. But don't get there to heaven and, and God say, did you tell anybody? Did you try to win somebody? Well, God, you know, I had a position at work and I, you know, I had to hold up and I, you know, and I couldn't, no. Peter and John are told to quit talking about Jesus. And they had a choice to make. It would have been very easy for them to just stop. God will make a way. There's other disciples. We're just two of, of, of you know, a few more. Everything's good. We'll be all right if we just stop talking about it, won't John? I mean, we just, just stop. They had a choice to make about Jesus. And not just about him, but by responding about how they proclaimed him and what they talked about and the actions that they did. They had a choice that they told him to stop talking. We don't want you to say nothing else to nobody else. Some of our greatest potential dies within the power of our words. Our words have the power of life and death. And, and the ones that we, we should be trying our hardest to, to proclaim God and talk about God. We, we may think that, man, we've been talking to them for a year and a half and they haven't done anything about making a move for God. Well, that's not the time to stop. I wish I'd have done my research a little bit better. But we had a couple just get the Holy Ghost last week week ago Sunday that, that Jillian and Brad had been working on for a long while. Sweet couple. Oh my goodness. They just ooze sweetness. Wonderful. Hungry for God. How would they have ever found truth if somebody had not said, hey, I have a good church you could go to. Why don't you come with me? Well, I don't believe in that. Well, let me take you to the scriptures and show you what the scripture says. I don't care what anything else says. Let's go to the scriptures and begin to talk about it. Oh, but pastor, if I do that, they might just, you know, talk about me at work or I might get rejected and all that stuff that you also might get to them to where they come down to an altar and God gives them a supernatural experience, fills them with the Holy Ghost. They repent of their sins and get baptized in Jesus' name and live. And when the trumpet sounds, they go to heaven and God looks at them and says, good job. Or you can keep your mouth shut and walk back down off the high dive and go down on the ladder and go back over with the rest of the spineless ones in the deep, in the shallow end over there and saying, mm, I don't want to get rejected. You have to let your life speak volumes. 
This should be the time that we're living in today for born-again believers pump up the volume of what matters to us most. This ought to be a time that we're living in today. And if you can't see it, get your head out of the sand. This ought to be a time that we're living in today that we're pumping up to the volume and doing more than we've ever done before. We ought to be fasting more today than we've ever done before. We ought to be praying more today than we've ever prayed before. We ought to be reading more today than we've ever read before. And we ought to be witnessing more today than we've ever... Why? Because our time is limited. Besides that, God's good. And whether we got 30 more years or 3 more months, the problem of the matter is we can't use the excuse, well, I'll get rejected, people will make fun of me, people don't want to hear it. You, you've got to keep on casting seed out there and not worry about what happens and let God take care of the rest. We've got to pump it up. Well, how much is too much? Well, if it says it goes to 10, take it to 11. Then go to 12. But whatever it takes to get the job done, we ought to be living our life like that. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, we ought to be telling people about the goodness of God. And listen, I'm just a little bit, you know, say what you want to say. I love our church. I love you folks. I brag on you folks all the time to my friends. These are great people. I don't want somebody to go somewhere else. I don't want them to go to a church that's not preaching truth. I want them to go somewhere where they're going to hear all the gospel of Jesus Christ preached, not just the parts that's going to make you, you know, get giddy inside your belly when you leave that place. I want to know when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. When I'm right, I'm right. When God is good, he's good all the time. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> well, I just want to be a good person while I'm here on this earth. Well, guess what? Hell has enlarged itself for your foolishness. I don't want to just be a good person. I don't want to know about how I can just handle my anger issues on the road. This week at Faith United, we're going to do a 12-week series about road rage. How not to cut somebody off in traffic and tell them that they're number one. We don't have time to do that. Sorry. We don't have time for that. We don't have time for church to be all smiles and giggles and puppy dog tails and cotton candy. We need to hear the truth preached to us. Because truth of the matter is, we're struggling every day to make sure that we're right where we need to be. Don't tell me that you love your neighbor if you can't tell them about God. See my yard sign? In the foyer, I don't know if we've ever really talked about this, but we have little invite cards. We have them in English and Spanish. It's on both sides. Wherever you go, take a little stack of them. Wherever you go, put them out. I had somebody tell me one time, waiters and waitresses hate that. That's good. Ten out of 12 may hate it. Maybe one likes it. I don't know. But guess what? I can't win souls if I'm not willing to cast seed. So what does it take? I got a few in my wallet. My wallet, you know, I just keep in there. It doesn't hurt nothing. Take them out. I lay them out. They get thrown away, they get thrown away. That expense is on us. But I'm willing to go through to do such to win somebody. It might be one person. I'm just going to say, we've done this for a long while. And some of those say, oh, it'll never work. 
I'm going to tell you right now, it was a long time ago on a Christmas service. By the way, Christmas Sunday's this Sunday, so listen to my story, okay? That Sister Hill invited Sister Tori to church on Christmas Sunday. She come here, she got a little goodie bag, and she left, and in that little goodie bag was a card, a magnet card. She threw it up on her refrigerator, because who doesn't need more magnets to hold up stuff? Got into a hard time in her life. She was about to just lose her mind. She didn't know where else to turn. You know what she did? She remembered that little card. Made a call that forever changed my wife and I and our family's life forever as we gained somebody that means the world to us because somebody was willing to throw a little card out there. Pump up the volume. They may not hear me. Turn it up louder. They may not care. Care. Make it a little sweeter, whatever you have to do. But do what you have to do to get people to know that this is where they need to be. This is what will change their life. This is what will make a difference. Well, Pastor, I would, but I just, you know, I'm, I'm just a, I have an issue with some of the things that we do and, and how we do it and the organization. And I, I'm really worried about this and that. Really? Yeah, I am. Well, this is the first I've ever heard about this. Have you prayed about it? Well, no, it's just a you know personal conviction I've got. A personal conviction that contradicts Scripture. You're full of yourself. You have to have the courage. If you don't like something, then make a difference and change it. Well, I wish that this was a little bit better. Then why don't you get involved and make it better? Well, if the parking lot was swept off, I would invite people to church. Grab a broom. You know, the, the, uh, the biscuits are not done just right in the cafe. Or I'd invite a whole bunch of people and fill this place up. Then get up a little earlier, bake some biscuits, bring them in. I guarantee you that Brother Ron won't say one thing about that. Oh, you want to help? Ah, twist my arm. I'd come, but our Sunday school is just a little bit dull. Or, you know, youth, they're, just, they're not lively enough. Pump up the volume in your life. Stop complaining about it and turn it up. Turn up that volume and pump it up so loud that you make such a difference that you literally win souls. But you have to have the courage. There's a lot of buts of silence. I read this, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to look up an article and find something nice to, to kind of go over with this tonight that, that would be good. And I found this author um, on Google wrote this and I thought man this is really good he talks about the, 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 the butts of uh, silence before talking about what we can he reads he writes this I quote before talking about what we can do to speak up the first thing I often hear are the butts the butts that justify not saying anything reasons are this but it doesn't make any difference what I say cop out but I'll get in trouble cop out but nobody will listen to me cop out it's really hard to turn somebody off when they're talking to you I have yet to find that mute button in my ears to turn it off when I don't want to hear something that somebody said there's been a lot of times that I've been chastised by my wonderful bride when I've been wrong. 
but I loved it. It hit that mute button on my ears and been just like this. Can't find it. It doesn't exist. But nobody will listen. They won't listen if you don't talk. It's a cop-out. But it's easier to just not say anything. Cop-out. But if I do, they'll just blank. They'll run. They'll disown me. They won't talk to me. They won't care. You know, they'll yell at me. Cop-out. But if I already know what's going to happen, I already know what's going to happen. I already know what's going to happen. You're a fortune teller now. You've got a big crystal ball. You're going to gaze in there. Things are going to No, you're not a prophet. You're a cop-out. But I, I don't want to rock the boat. I want to just stay the cool guy still at you know, the table with the Jesus fish in the back of his car and the, you know, the Christian radio station that plays rural soft and buddies ride with me. Cop out. But it's not my place to say anything to anybody. That's contradictory to Scripture. Because if you have partaken of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he has said to you, the word, go ye therefore and teach who? Everybody. They won't like me. I didn't get into this for a popularity contest. I learned a long time ago that, you know, much as I love our people in our church and I care for them and, and I, I'm hoping that I, I do my best to show, you know, I care in that. Y'all don't need me as a friend, you need me as a pastor. And I love to get close to you, and it's, it's something I've had to learn the hard way, that you know I want to be in there and be everybody's buddy, but sometimes you're going to have to say things that people just don't like. Hey, well, you know, why don't you come out tonight and get just slosh drunk with us? Your, your wife's out of town, and let's go to the bar, and let's hang out and watch sports and drink some beer and spit. And you're like, man, I got to go because I can spit. And if I don't go, they won't like me no more. Cop out. There's probably, you know, somebody will give me some exact reason, toxic work environments, you know, rules, regulations, lose my job, lose everything if I whatever, talk about that, and then justify it with that. And I, I, I got you. I understand. But some of these objective perspectives from people, you, you, can, you just got to discern what's, what can and cannot be done. And you have to discern what people want to do and what people want to just cop out because they want to turn the volume down. I want to be seen. Don't want to be heard. And because of that, there's a whole lot of people that live are screaming out. That scares me. I'm a people person. I got that honestly. My, my, my father and mother, they're people, you know, persons. They'll go on vacation. My dad, mom will go shopping, and dad will get him a newspaper and sit at a, at a bench, take you five minutes to read a newspaper, and then he watches people. Now I've got, I go on vacation with them. My wife and my mother, they go off shopping. I buy a newspaper, sit down next to him. We read it in five minutes, and we sit there, and we watch people. Every once in a while, we'll go, wow. 
Do I tell the truth, Bishop? But it bothers me. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a personal thing. I'm not saying everybody's like this. It bothers me. Are they, are they needing God? I drive to church on Sunday morning and I see people driving. And, and uh, I'm like, are they going to church? They should be coming here. Why not? Have I ever told them? That's why I got so excited about billboards. Thank you for those billboards that were given to us. Thank you, Sister Janetta and Curly and them that, that made those possible. I love them. Why? Because that's just a few more people that can find out that there's a church still here that cares. Put that yard sign up in my yard. So excited. It stood against the tumultuous winds we had just a few days ago says, hashtag, I survived the tornado. What if nobody will come from that? Nobody will show up. Nobody will pay attention to that. Nobody can see it. Nobody cares. One might. One. That's, that's a whole lot of effort and that go put through for just one person. Yeah. But I'm so grateful that God leads the 99 to come find me. I was just one, one moment in time in my life. I'm saying that's good stuff, brother. Might just win one. But if we keep quiet and we don't turn up the volume and we don't pump it up as loud as we can get it, why is it that when we were youth, we'd drive down the road, we'd want our volume up to be as loud as possible? You know, I'm still a little bit, bit mean. Tim Marshall and I, he was here preaching for us, we're on Lincoln Way and we pulled up in front of Giant Eagle and somebody was blaring their radio, thumping their bass and, you know, just rattling their windows and, you know, he was just in there just and it was just going off and I grabbed a radio station and I turned up the volume as loud as I could. <laughs> Sit there, there's two grown men just bouncing our heads, I don't even know, some stupid song. I pulled up next to them to do that, made my kids mad, turned bluegrass on just as loud as my radio would go. Why do they do that? They want to be heard. They want to hear it, but they want everybody else to hear it. And they go down the road, and everybody knows when they're coming. Why? Because their volume is up full blast. Hey, you know, uh, I'm going I'm to I'm touch this, and then we're going to be done. A couple weeks ago, Sister Julie, last week we were talking about some of our favorite students at Bible at uh, daycare. We talked about Josh and Maddie Smith. Uh, Tuesdays, my wife had Wells all day. Kara gets there, or Kyle gets there about 5:45, and she turns around. She has a ladies' Bible study at her house, and so usually Tuesday nights, let's you know frozen pizza or or Chinese food. She's busy. I understand. You know, no problem with me. Oh, we have to eat pizza tonight? Oh. I go to the Chinese place right there by my house, number one kitchen. Guess who's working at the front desk? Josh Smith. Looks exact same, same ticks, same everything. I asked him, I got brave enough, and I said, hey, did you go to Perry Heights Child Care? He looked at me like, weirdo alert. 
the church over there. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I know you. I was there. I'm pastor. He goes, Keith. Oh, my favorite kid of all time. Love that little guy. Just looks the same. Got a beard, you know, facial hair. Senior in high school. Love the little kid. Why are you saying all that? Because this. They came from a time that they were just little babies, maybe six weeks old, seven weeks old. Him and his sister, they came all the way out, all the way till they were uh, way past school age. They came, rode the bus after school. So, you know, when that happens and you see parents five days a week, twice a day with their children involved in your care, they get to know you a little bit. Sweet, sweet people. Oh, my goodness, just wonderful folks. His mother came in one time. Michelle will remember this. And uh, wonderful lady. She always stopped. She always talked to us. She always had something funny to say. Real nice lady. And she came in, and Michelle came, got me, tears in her eyes. Oh, Lord, what's going on? It was Joshie's mom in there. Got cancer. I need you all to pray for me right now. Got it. Back of my mind was going, lady, we ain't Baptist. This ain't going to be no Catholic prayer. You about ready to get it. We went to pray it. How many people do we come encounter with every day that our volume is down so low from the way we live that they can't come to us in their most dire moments of life and say, hey, I know they don't like us to talk about church and God in here, but can you sneak into the locker room with me just a minute? You don't know what's going on in my life, and I know you're a praying person. Can you pray for me? Hey, Keith, sorry to bother you at home. You know, I live across the street from you. You don't know what's going on in my life right now. Could you pray for me? How many people walk by and have no clue? Because our volume is so low. We have to cultivate the courage daily. We have to use the skill in our voice effectively. I know our negative experiences are, you know, they, they can sometimes weigh on us. I've been there. But we have to find our voice. When we choose to speak up, we create opportunities for things to change. Through it all, the key word is choice. Turn that racket down. Nothing, then nothing is likely to change. But if we leave it up for people to hear, there'll come a time when somebody will walk into you and say, You don't know what I'm going through right now. I don't understand, I can't explain, but can you just pray with me? Now they may walk out of there and never give you another time of day, or Something might be said or done or felt that gives them just a little bit of a something to say, I want to hear more about what just happened to me. Some of you are just that way. So we're ending. Now I want to end it with this just real quick. Some things that you can use to find your voice. Don't live life with deficiency. You say, well, I, I just don't know how. I don't have enough uh, 
intelligence of Scripture. I really can't explain somebody about the gospel of Jesus. Buy yourself a Bible study and read it. Turn off The Bachelor. Marking you all right now. Pull out the Bible study. Be honest with yourself and acknowledge the impact not saying anything because I live with deficiencies. Number two, see the possibilities. See every person you come in contact with as an opportunity to tell them about the gospel. When people consider speaking up, they imagine all the things that could go wrong instead of what could potentially go right. Every door you knock, you have no idea. Dreaming, talking about things with, dreaming, but living experiences with Brother Lonnie growing up. My dad would have me, my mom and dad would have me go on bus route with him to help. Dad was talking a little bit about it yesterday. You never knew what was going to happen. He talked about a fenced house and they had to go around the back to knock on the door to see if they were going to come to church. The big old German shepherd come running as fast as it could at that fence and jumping up, barking at dads. About scared him to death. Dad lost one of his nine lives. Been there. Walk up to the door, knock on the door. Some Cujo come running out the fence. Guns pulled out. I'm thinking, I'm a 12-year-old boy. I'm going to get shot here witnessing for God. I'll never forgive my mom and dad for making me do this. Been told no. More times than I can, can consider. Cussed at, screamed at, hollered at, made fun of. Don't assume ignorance. We tend to think that people are deliberately behaving in many ways just to annoy us. Yet most of the time they're simply just unaware. I taught a Bible study in a dining room at a house that the next room over was the family room. And the... Uh, the, the, the dad stood in there skeptical. I'm, I'm, I'm this kind of religion. I don't need none of that stuff. I know, you know, what's going on. I'll be fine. I, I go to church on Sunday. I wear a suit and tie. You know, I know the preacher. The preacher knows me, and I know what's going to be happening. He sat in there, and, and as we begin to talk, he went from the farthest point in the room to the next chair, to the couch, to the end of the couch, to the love seat, to his wife's chair. And before the Bible study was over, he was at the dining room table, before it was all over with, he was in the baptismal tank getting baptized in Jesus' name. Don't be ignorant and say, well, I can't do this. There's no way I'm going to be able to make this. This is not going to... Leaders don't set out to fail. I'm done. So, you know, pump up the volume. You know, with Brother Lonnie, oh... I'm going to end it with, with this, with this. I'm going to tell a little bit. They've asked me to speak at the, the funeral, and I've been thinking about what to speak about. Man, a guy got on my last ever loving nerve. I'm going to start it off with that. That's a good icebreaker. Thank you, Mom, for letting me speak. Pastor, thank you for this time. My Charles drove me absolutely crazy. He did. I came back many times on a Sunday in the wintertime and told my dad, that's it. I'm not going out. I don't care what you say. Ground me. I'm done. What's the matter? 
That man purposely drops me off on this bus to go get people in front of a slush mud hole two feet deep every stinking time. And if I say, Brother Lonnie, can you just move up a little bit further? No, nope. uh-uh. If I don't stay right here, then this person won't see me and that person won't see me. But if I stay right here, but I'm going to get, and I'd fall and do it, and he'd give me that laugh that only he could laugh. <laughs> I'd have to go down an alleyway to pick up this elderly lady and her kids. They'd never touched that in the history of Maslin City with salt or a plow. I had a dollar for every time that I fell. She held me up coming out instead of me holding her up. He turned me, told me, taught me how to live life volume full up. When his shop shut down, that man had faith. We'd stop on that route, coming down off the hill, right by Pearl, we'd be right there by that U.S. Steel. And he'd stop and the whole bus, if you were on the bus and you're here, you remember this, he'd stop, we, I don't care who, if we had a mile of cars behind us, he'd stop and for 30 seconds he'd pray, God, you're going to open that place back up, you're going to give me my job back, I know you're going to do this because of who you are, every time, without fail. Brought, made Dad go down there and lay his hands on the place one time. Shop guys at the union hall would come up to him and say, Lonnie Charles, are you still praying? We need you to pray. How do them men know? Because it makes a difference in life when you live your life with the volume all the way up. In this life, you will write your own obituary. You're either going to make people really, really get colorful at your funeral. Well, he liked corn on the cob. John Wayne. Let's all stand. That's, no, I'm, you can stand, but that's what I'm saying. That's what the funeral will be like. Go ahead, stand up with me, though. I'm done. <laughs> 